1: Welcome to the Ramon Foster Show. I'm your host, Eddie Provident. With me is the man whose name is on the banner, Ramon Foster. Ramon, 4-0 oh, Tennessee Vols. I, I put it on Twitter. I owed you uh, an apology. They look good, man.
0: They look for real. You know what? I took a lot of heat from my Pittsburgh family, man, just because I get it. you you Pitt Panthers to the core, even though you're Penn State fans, but <laughs> never mind that. You know what? No, no we, Penn we, State we, fandom here, man. No Penn State <laughs> fandom here. No, I, I know you are blue and true, <laughs> man. Uh, nope. uh, with that being said, though, man, Mavals are doing pretty good. Top 10 for the first time since 2006. Ranked number eight, like right? Number, Number eight. eight right now, seven is no eight or nine, depending on which polls you're looking at. But that's not why we're here today, though, Eddie. Right? As,
1: hey, real quick, as a Pitt fan, I'm rooting for you guys now because the more you win, the better it looks for us. So, I'll take <laughs> look, look at you. I'll, I'll put the orange. I'll put the orange hoodie on. That's no problem. Just backhanded as <laughs> heck with it, man. That's crazy. Oh uh, man, Bone. Speaking of backhanded compliments, at least uh, I don't even have a compliment. I don't even have a backhanded compliment for these Steelers. No, hey, this offense is just. It's abysmal. And it is. I, so my question to you, looking at it from a player's perspective, do you where do you pin the blame? Because I lean towards pinning the blame on Trubitsky, but I know a lot of people are pinning the blame on Matt Canada.
0: Man. Where do you go it, with that? To me, it's a little bit of both. It, it, okay. it really is, man. I think the things that they did well in the Browns game, the pace – being able to spread the ball out a little bit. I thought it was good, but I also said this. He listened to us too much, us talking heads, us fans of the game, when it comes down to, look, well, what about Pat? What about, you know, continuing to stick with the pace that you had throughout the game? That was a, a little bit of decision-making, I feel like, on, on, on Mitch's part. The overthrowing's got to stop. The decision-making has got to get a little bit better when it comes down to him. But we were looking at a little bit of the stat line when you look at, like, overall, like, where players are as far as passing yards throughout the season and right now you got a guy and Jacob Brissett barely ahead of him but he's got more passing yards than he does he's got four touchdowns and one interception like that's what we are right now when we're speaking about the things that you do for quarterbacks that you might say that are a little bit less than what you need as far as a franchise guy you look at the way Stefanski uh, that's their head coach right in Cleveland Yeah, yeah you look Stephanski. at the way he put together a plan for them to go out on a short week and beat the Pittsburgh Steelers they protected Jacob Brissett wholeheartedly and made him look like well dang he might get another crack cracker starting in his league
1: he looked all right man he he looked he looked like a very competent nfl quarterback the other night yeah. uh, and that and and i'll be honest with you i don't think mitch trubisky did and i here's here's my counter to you look at the george pickens catch one of the best right. catches that i've seen probably since odell belcom jr's catch against the cowboys right mm-hmm. or i mean yeah against the cowboys um my problem with that, though, is if you look at the all twenty-two, Chase Claypool's open for a touchdown. Yeah, dead center yeah. of the field, open for a touchdown. Mitch Trubisky went eight of nine in the first half, not a single throw to the middle of the field. Wow. But receivers were open down the middle of the field. So while I understand that he's not completely, you know, Matt Canada is not uh, innocent here, I still think that you know players are getting open. And things are developing downfield. Yeah. Why, so why, why do you, why are you so, you know, cause I'm going to take your word over my, over what I see. Why are you still, <laughs> you know, like, why are you, why is Canada your problem?
0: Well, it's, it's because you, you either got to like, dial it in when it's mm-hmm. practice times so like hey you gotta go do these things or create plays where he's got just one or two options like you said if they're not challenging him enough and I know they are in practice so maybe it's on him to re- actually receive the coaching that's coming his way mm-hmm. then I, I kind of say to him "Well, where's the freedom at or do you take do you take Mitch's freedom away as far as his ability to be on the run all the time like do you make him stop back and say quick throw quick throw quick throw that's what Brissette had to this past weekend. And the only reason I'm bringing them up because you got to pretty much put Jacoby Brissett in the same box as you do Mr. Trubisky, Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's a group of guys that you look at in this league. You probably say Kirk cousins is in that box with them. Also. You also got to kind of say, uh, Justin Fields as he stands right now is in that box also. So what are you, what have we seen from teams that have those types of quarterback? You put them in the best possible, uh, scenarios to be successful. Okay. And that's where I feel like, well, it was just one of those things where it was like, well, let Mitch cook. Well, maybe Mitch doesn't need to cook. Maybe he needs to be served dinner in front of him by getting the ball out fast. If he's rolling out, he's got either low, he, he's got a shallow uh, crossing route to give to him or somebody that's deeper. Like to be able to be standing still and creating down the field, gotcha. that doesn't seem to be something he's he's capable of doing the way. And I hate to even draw this comparison, but there's one thing that Ben was able to do to where his nerves didn't allow him to. Oh, I just gotta chuck it. No, I gotta mm-hmm. sit here if I'm scrambling and I gotta be able to see where I'm going. If he sees Chase Clay down the field, that's a touchdown.
1: Yeah, you know. Yep. And and to your point, uh, putting him in positions to succeed, and you know the Steelers went. Uh, they only rushed the ball 22 times on on uh, Thursday night. And, but here's the thing, Mo. They averaged 4.7 yards per carry on those 22 rushes. Yeah. Why not get Najee Harris more involved? Why not get Jalen uh, Jalen Warren more involved? I know Jalen Warren dropped the ball. Yeah. Uh, you know, he put the ball on the ground. But you know, it wasn't a turnover, and I understand that Tomlin hates that. And I mean, yeah. every coach hates it. But why abandon the run like that? You know, uh, I mean, especially I know you as an offensive lineman. That's got to get under your skin a little.
0: It does, because you needed to control the game. Now, again, uh, Cleveland started playing well when it comes down to what they were doing. And and this is the other part, too. I think they were more or less trying to get points quick. The quickest way to do that is through the air. So you can't overly fault them for this. Uh, But I will say this, too. It is, to me, the idea that they were... Overworking to get the receivers involved in the game instead of letting the game come to them. In a sense, I thought everybody had had their touches. George did, Deontay did, Chase did. Everybody except for Pat Frymouth. okay. But everybody had gotten their touches. Now it's just like let the game come to you. It almost looked like there was it was forced, you know, in the sense of to to make it a a a, a passing type of game. Mitch comes out and says, "Well, you know, I I want to go down the field." And then you have a coordinator that tries to deliver it to him. Meanwhile, Mitch, you got to understand your job right now is to simply win us games like you ain't got to go out and be that hero. That's why I'm kind of looking at at Matt Canada more or less and and saying to him, dude, know your damn personnel. Mm. That's not a guy that's capable of just stringing it out like that. Give him direct plays. Let him call it and haul it. Those check with me's right now is not going to be something that he's afforded to do because his decision making and accuracy while on the run or scrambling or taking bad sacks, you don't get that grace.
1: Yeah, it, it almost seems to me like Matt Canada's got to you know go with the kiss method to keep it simple, stupid. Because yeah, and, and yeah. until until they this offense shows any signs of you know, they can handle more, right. Uh, like you said, I love what you said earlier in the in the uh, in the segment. Just you know, get the crossers. You know, get get the short stuff open. You know, get him in a rhythm before yeah. they do anything else. You know, uh, we're going to take a quick break when we come back. I want to talk about Moan's old uh, old position. I want to talk about the offensive line because, despite what we've seen and heard, I actually thought the offensive line pretty, played pretty well on Thursday. Right, welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show, Ramon. On Thursday night, the, I, there wasn't a lot to be optimistic about. Let's be real; the, the it didn't look good. Uh, they couldn't tackle. They couldn't. Uh, they couldn't stop. You know the Browns' running game.
0: Two-headed monster. Right. Two-headed monster.
1: Man, that might that is the best two-headed monster in the league right now, man. That is a scary tandem. Um, yeah. But the offense came back with not being able to get the ball, you know, get any any movement in the second half. Um, I think four, three and outs in a row at one point in time. Yeah. Um, it just, there wasn't a lot to be optimistic about. However, and I know you and DK talked about this on Friday and the postgame show, but I want to talk about it with you again. The offensive line actually looked good on Thursday night. Yeah. I, I thought they played well. What did you see from your boys? I
0: saw them fight. Um, I saw them move people around. It looked like for for once, okay, they have been on the same level as far as like combination blocks amongst the offensive line. There was communication, and yeah, there was a like a little bit of leakage when it came down to the passing game a little bit. I mean, let's be honest, you got Miles Garrett on the other side. As much mm-hmm. as we know, TJ Watt is the best defensive player in the in the league, and it says that because he's got the hardware right now, Miles Garrett is that good, too. OK, yeah, so yes. we can't deny that he's that good. Um, but they were on the same page um, just all across the board this past week, and They they had a sense of, all right, we know we've been beat down. We know we got to go out there and prove that we can compete with these guys. And they did, man. So I wasn't opposed to it. The sacks on the night, one go to Mitch and one goes to the backfield. OK, like that's just where it was. And, and especially on the road in that environment, there was poise okay when you looked at that group if I was with them <laughs> can I be real for a second? Absolutely. I'd probably go in that meeting room and look at my corrections I look at what we did and I say guys, we took a step tonight we hmm. okay weren't the reason why we lost games tonight like I it would have to be one of those type of conversations because uh at, within that team concept there are individual goals and group goals that to them, they needed a game like that.
1: Yeah, I agree with you 100% and you know you brought up Miles Garrett. Um they held him in check, man. They they yeah. he had uh, I pulled up his stats here that he had uh two total tackles, um two assists, mm-hmm. no sack no no sacks, no tackles for loss. Um you know he was uh, he he was there late on that, you know, on that last QB uh the sack, the you know, like yeah. in, the, in the hurry. Um but he he they kept him in check. Uh you know, we talked about in the first segment that the Steelers uh were averaging 4.7 yards per carry. That's the offensive line, man. Like that's that like when you are able to get rip off chunks like that, that's right. That's a lot to do with the offensive line. I I want like talk about like when you go away when when the offensive line is actually getting a push. And and I right. you know, saw it Thursday night. They were getting the push. That was they yep. were moving the defensive line. Um but when they get that push and then the offense just decides, you know what, we're going to go away from that. We're going to go away from the run game. We're going to try to establish some kind of passing game when you're getting into that rhythm. What does that do for an offensive lineman's, uh, you know, the chemistry and the confidence that they're starting to build? And, you know, kind of like getting that that groove and that momentum going.
0: Matt, you said, what does it do with, uh, when they take it away from yeah, you? When you, or take you away? Go. Yeah, when yeah. when it's when Man, it's taken it, away
1: from you, and you know, you're you're manhandling the guy in front of you
0: man it, it 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 it's it's one of those situations Eddie where it's just like all right, now we're in survival mode. It makes the job a whole lot harder. It really does when you, you you're, you know, got good runs and you got a consistency of getting it together and you don't necessarily in the moment realize it. You know, you just say after the game, man, we should have. And that's what probably happened in that film study is, man, we should have continued to go to this. But when you're trying to win the game and then, like you say, you have those three and outs here and there, it, it, the flow of what you are doing is a hard reset. And you just kind of really get on board with what the entire team, is doing or what the offense is doing it's not a bad thing it's just one of those and I guarantee you Matt Cannon and his staff look back at it and say man we probably should have stayed more consistent at that and and uh to Cleveland's credit they were making some plays you know as mm-hmm. far as their defense goes it's just and I, I, I probably almost feel like any offensive coordinator feel this way when you got George Pickens when you got Deontay, when you got uh, Chase Claypool and you got to throw Najee in there too, as far as the run game and Pat Frymouth, you got to be a very humble individual to not call those passing plays as often as you possibly can, especially when you're up against a divisional opponent like the Browns on the road on a short week. I know they probably was thinking these guys said they want to make plays. So I'm going to give them every opportunity to make plays, but your job as an OC is to manage this game and come out with a dub, however way you think is is going to be necessary to execute.
1: No, I'm with you, and I really want to see them against New York this Sunday. I yeah. want to see them establish the running game. I want to see them. You know, I I know everybody's been talking about open up the passing game, open up the passing game. <sighs> I, I, they need to take a step back. They need mm-hmm. to take the step back, understand that they have Najee Harris, in my opinion, one of the top 10 running backs in the NFL, Jalen yeah. Warren, who's coming into his own, and now an offensive line that's starting to build some confidence. Some yeah. guys that look like, I, I got to shout out Kevin Dotson and the way he's been playing the last couple, you know, he the last two up, games. He up, didn't he? He has stepped his game up. And I want to see these guys, Mason Cole, I, you know, uh, Chris Halleck just uh, highlighted him in, in one of his uh, in his column yesterday and his uh, article yesterday about Mason Cole's blocking and how yeah. how well he's been doing. I want to see those interior offensive linemen take that next step. And the way to do that is to establish a running game against the New yeah. York Jets on Sunday and hopefully build your passing game from that
0: facts. I want to yeah. see. I'm looking forward to it, man. This will be a good challenge, man. The Jets always will play hard. Um, We'll see if Flacco or Zach will be back, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Could be Zach Wilson. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Hey, we're going to take one more break. Uh, When we come back, it's everybody's favorite segment, the only one that matters. Welcome back to the Ramon Foster Show. It is the Hey Moan segment, and this one is always brought to you by the Get-Go Cafe and Market, where it's all about quality. We have three expert chefs to fine-tune every detail so that every sub, burger, salad, wrap, drink, appetizer, anything you want on their menu, it all gets made with fresh ingredients and it always tastes amazing. Order your favorites at Get-Go Cafe and Market today. Better believe it. Moan. Yeah. I got a good Hey Moan question for you today because I want you to bury this. I, I, this is this is a I think it's a common misconception from uh, Yinzer Nation. Uh-oh. And I I want it buried once and for all. And I'm gonna let you do that. So this question is from Gregory Thomas, and it says, Hey Moan, do you think Tomlin not starting Kenny Pickett is because he's not ready? speaking about Kenny or is it because of his ego talking about Tomlin and not wanting to admit that he was wrong? I'm just going to let you go.
0: (sighs) Okay. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. So his ego, I actually thought they're talking about Kenny's ego. I was like, wait, he got an ego already. He's not even starting. No, we're talking about (laughs) coach Tomlin's ego. I, I'm, I love to know where that conversation comes from when it comes down to like ego, that he carries with him, it, it, and and I know it's probably just public perception of what you think Coach Tomlin is, and and how you see him, you know, interact with guys or the things that he say. And I'm here to tell you, and I've kind of said this time and time again, and maybe you just don't want to believe me, but the guy doesn't care about how we win or who we use to win. He mm-hmm. simply wants to win at all time and all costs. Okay, the process of you know incorporating. Uh, Kenny Pickett into this offense, into this team, is going to happen. It's going to happen at some point, probably sooner than later, as we continue to talk about it. So, and I, I, I'd say this too, I'd almost expect Coach Tomlin to know that's to, to be true, also. But there's a method in which you got to go about things. We've said this before, it's sending a guy out there can be tough as far as rookies, not understanding defenses. It could be tough as far as, all right, the wins, losses. Like, you throw a kid into it and all they do is straight lose, straight lose, straight lose. Well, I'll say this. I don't think this, well, I know this Steelers situation ain't the same as what Jacksonville Jaguars was when it comes down to Urban Meyer being their head coach with their franchise quarterback. We saw what that looks like, okay? It's about the timing of how and what you do. Why go and scar a guy when it's not already there. Let's say this. The offensive line is starting to grow up from what we've seen so far. We see Najee. We see Jalen Warren coming together also. Imagine those wide receivers going at Kenny Pickett and saying, hey, throw me the damn ball. You think he can actually process and handle that also? I don't think so. Maybe he's getting with those guys right now on the side and they're probably having those conversations like, hey man, if you get in, I got you. And that's all you need to know. The support of what Kenny Pickett is going to be has to happen before he actually starts the game. Trust me, I've seen this. I've seen you guys kind of say, and I just say you guys, not in the sense of just me throwing you under the bus, but fans were like, "You should start this guy." And next thing you know, that guy starts, and he's not the dude. And next thing you know, get him out of here; he's a bust. Kenny's maturation, okay. And let's be real about this too: having the year that he had coming out of college, there needs to be a reset of him too and not thinking that this is an easy job. Or look, I had an amazing uh, senior year at Pitt. I was a Heisman finalist. I'm just going to waltz into this. And I'm big dog. No, there's a lot more sometimes than just throwing the ball, spinning it in in place. I I, I was talking to an all-pro safety this morning, Kevin Byer, and the one thing that he spoke on and most guys that talk about in this league is this. The mental side of the game is far more important than the physical side. Knowing what to do, okay? Knowing how to react to certain situations, just responding to certain situations is more mental than it is physical. Mm -hmm. Kenny has the physical tools. But why throw him out there if he's not mentally prepared for it? Heck, we're seeing Mitch right now be flustered. Why? Because we're not throwing the ball down the field. Guess what Kenny has to sit back and say? Well, let me just be quiet and let the offense come to me like these are the things. So to say that coach Tomlin is wrong because of ego, sometimes you just got to just let the process kind of play out in situations like this.
1: See one, one thing that I've learned about Mike Tomlin being around the team for the last, you know, last all of last season. And now this season, um, I was of the opinion, Ramon, and I'm I'm not afraid to admit this. I was of yeah. the opinion that it, that it was time for a change at the head coach position. Yeah. going in, you know, Going into last year. Okay. Uh when you factor in the lack of playoff success, when you factor in just a bunch of different things. You know, I thought, all right, maybe, maybe his his message is getting stale. Maybe there is a little bit of an ego thing there. Uh and then I saw him last training camp and I hmm. saw how he interacted with those players. And I saw how firsthand how he handles these guys and how much these guys respect him. And then I heard you talk about how like off air, you know, you and I had our personal conversations about how much you respect Mike Tomlin as a man and as a mentor, you know, and and how every time we've had Kevin Colbert on, we've had uh, John Malecki on, and every time we talk to somebody, these people have nothing but great things to say about Mike Tomlin. I've never heard any of his former players say a bad word about him. Even Antonio Brown, who was supposed supposed to have left on bad terms, speaks yep. very highly of Mike Tomlin. And we yep. even saw Mike Tomlin messing around with the Antonio Brown dance in the you know in uh, Marcus in Allen's the video. Room. Yeah, in the locker room. I don't think that it's an ego thing with with Mike Tomlin. I don't think that that's that is ever the case with Mike Tomlin. That it's an ego trip, or that it's a it's not him not wanting to be wrong. You know, one of his famous quotes is we don't seek comfort you know no so he's okay with being wrong that's what that tells me and he and the players respect him I think what this comes down to is a head coach doing exactly what you said just wanting to be careful with a rookie quarterback who is the future of this franchise they they spent a number one pick you know a top 25 pick on this dude they are trying to make sure that everything that they do sets this guy up for future success
0: not you know not short-term stuff and, and let's be honest about this too. And I think it got all of us. Everybody to a T that was watching pre-draft probably thought that they were going after Malik Willis.
1: I thought they were 100%. They
0: tricked us all, didn't they?
1: 100% thought it was going to be Malik Willis. And,
0: and simply because of that, it's probably because they've been doing their study and their homework behind this guy so much. It was like, that's our guy and we can't let a soul know. Yep. And, and I'll just say this. If you're asking for Kenny and Kenny goes out there right now, and has a performance like Mitch did in um and, and Cleveland,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: like the Patriots, are you still a Kenny Pickett fan? Like, are you willing to deal with that? Are you willing to say, it's okay for him to grow up and just us wait on this to happen? Right. Because he's your guy. I don't yep. think Pittsburgh's in the business of redrafting quarterback year after year after year after year like some organizations nope. are. You get nope. this one right one time, And I probably, let's be honest, you probably don't see the Steelers going to the Super Bowl this year. But if you stack and Bill, and maybe squeak into the playoffs or have a winning record this year above 500, We've seen worse dealer teams. That's how you got Ben Roethlisberger.
1: Yes, we have. And that's the other thing. I think everybody in Pittsburgh, myself included, because I I am one of the people that's been calling for Kenny Pickett. I'm not going to back down from that. I I think that he would be a better quarterback in this system personally. But Mike Tomlin knows that better than I do. I will be the first to admit that. But what I think with Pittsburgh is we are so spoiled because – Ben Roethlisberger comes in after the Tommy Maddox injury, goes out and goes 15-1, and and he actually didn't have that loss. That loss was the Ravens game that he came into. So he goes undefeated as a rookie until he sees Tom Brady and the Patriots, and then goes on the second season to win a Super Bowl, and then goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. Right. Guys, not every quarterback does that. There are some quarterbacks that go through the growing pains. Look at Aaron Rodgers, sat on a bench yep. behind Brett Favre for what, three yep. years? Didn't yep. start until his fourth year in the season or in his in the in the NFL. It takes time with a lot of these quarterbacks. They don't come out of, you know, they don't come out of the draft firing on all cylinders. Right. So as much as I want to see Kenny Pickett, as much as everybody else wants to see Me Kenny too. Pickett, yeah. It let's let's. Let's just tamper it down a little bit. Trust Mike Tomlin. Trust the coaching staff and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I'm with
1: you. Um, So we'll see. But again, you know, it's fun to talk about. It's fun to see what will happen. You know, Uh, this is it for the Ramon Foster show today. I will be back with Ramon tomorrow. Uh, DK is taking care of some stuff on uh, on the personal side of things. Uh, So it'll be Ramon and I again on Tuesday. Uh, We appreciate you all watching and we'll see you tomorrow.